during the course of the last 15, 16 months of pandemic time, a friend of mine out in San Francisco, Jude Harmon, who is a canon at Grace Cathedral up on a beautiful spot. Uh, I know some of you may have been there before, up on Knob Hill, and it kind of overlooks a beautiful part of the city. We would often correspond with each other just about what we were seeing in our respective houses of worship. Here in the plains, Knob Hill and San Francisco. And one thing that Jude and I kind of have had a running dialogue about is solace. Where are we ourselves finding solace? How are we noticing in others um, a kind of a compassion or a solace? And most importantly, how can we strengthen each other in such a difficult time and find solace in prayer as brothers in Christ? I know from having walked with so many of you for so long during this pandemic and now regathering time, that you have been a compassionate caregiver or you have received compassion and care from someone that you love. Maybe you just got married. Maybe it's for your children. Maybe it's recent. But solace, the church is a place of solace. It's what I want to focus on today. We don't use the word solace much anymore It's one of those old English words from Latin that means relief or comfort. I often refer to the Church of the Holy Comforter as that place when we're not in church on a Sunday morning. Behind that, as often happens, is a Greek word, olos, meaning something that's whole. And my dictionary tells me solace is comfort in distress, or comfort in disappointment. To comfort, which we say much more often to each other, combines a word come, meaning with or together, and a verb forter, to strengthen, a place of strengthen, uh, strengthening in the spirit. In any case, something's causing suffering. Something's distressing in our life that calls for a different response a response of comfort and compassion, an effort to make something that's been broken whole and something weakened in need of strength, some burden hard to bear with relief. One of my favorite poets is David White, and David White writes this about solace. He says, solace is what we must look for when the mind cannot bear the pain the loss or the suffering that eventually touches every life and every endeavor. When longing does not come to fruition in a form we can recognize, when people we know, people we love disappear, when hope must take a different form than the one we have shaped for it. If I think about solace, I think about all of you and what these windows signify for us, a great cloud of witnesses. And I think of a window into our own soul of those who have come before us, who even beyond the grave and gate of death, offer us solace in prayer. 
when we call upon them to remember us and to intercede for us throughout time. It's a great gift of love and compassion on our journey. We suffer at times of loss, we know this, the death of a loved one or a sickness, but sometimes our job or career didn't go the way we planned, or we just feel overwhelmed with student debt and mortgages. Especially for those in their 20s and 30s now, student debt is crushing. We're disappointed in the people we voted for, hoping that they would have been a stronger leader. So it's no wonder then that whole religions and schools of philosophy throughout millennia were created precisely to deal with solace and comfort and compassion. The writer of the Psalms attests this, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their burdens. What a beautiful image, evocative of the incarnation. And this we need to fear no evil, even though we walk through a valley of the shadow of death. Enslaved Americans found solace we know in reciting a book of deliverance from Exodus about liberation. It was all about solace. Jesus himself, forsaken by his closest friends, and God, it seems, he dies, crying out to his father for solace, but in the end discovers eternal life for all of us. Lady philosophy consoled disciples of Stoicism and ancient Rome by teaching them to be indifferent to the things that transfix us now on Instagram, indifferent to fame, indifferent to fortune, indifferent to the things that transfix us and distract us, the fickleness of fortune and fame. The great peyote medicine man, Wovoka, surveyed the near annihilation of indigenous peoples across the earth, and he found solace in a vision where he's instructed by the great spirits to teach a beautiful ritual, a ghost dance. They promised him if the dancers danced and lived uprightly, their power would remove colonizers and their works from North America and resurrect the native dead, something we are seeing now coming to pass in the news day by day. When he first began to hear a voice commanding him to recite, it was the prophet Muhammad who feared that he was going mad. But it was his loving wife, Khadijah, who brought solace to her mate by kneeling down on the ground with him, like we hear in the psalmist, covering his shoulders with her cloak, embracing him, assuring him that he wasn't mad, for there were meanings in the words coming from the angelic voice, and thus the recitation the revelations from the Quran. It's our Jesus, the Christ, who finds solace and stillness as he cultivates a hermitage of his own heart, an oasis in a desert where his Father in heaven lived in the mystery of infinite love and compassion. The New Jerusalem Bible translates 
it as a lonely place that Jesus goes to. We heard it today as a deserted place. It can also be understood as a lonely place. Henry Nouwen, in his book, Reaching Out, describes moving toward this lonely place, but it might not be what we think. He says, at first we move from loneliness to solitude, or what he also calls reaching out to an innermost self that God made good and beautiful. Loneliness can be painful and its roots run deep, but it's much more than I think what we were taught. It's much more than simply being alone. It's something like a feeling of restless fear or anxiety, feeling that comes about when we have a need for intimacy. It plays a role in addictions of all sorts, and I know from walking with our community, this has been a struggle for us in pandemic, simply dealing with the things we're addicted to. But ironically, the way through this is also the thing we must avoid reaching out to, fostering and finding a deeper sense of intimacy with ourselves. But we avoid intimacy because it comes with the feeling of compassion with the hurting parts of ourselves, and it calls us to be present for pain and the world as it is. We're taught to avoid pain in our culture, and we're experts at amusing and entertaining ourselves with distractions. We're not taught how to do this in school, how to live like lady philosophy. But I think we need courage to spend time to go to a lonely place or a deserted place, for that's where Jesus found his father, Abba. When we're lonely, it's hard to act with compassion, but from a place of solitude, a place of poverty of spirit, then we're free to serve others and love. From solace, Jesus cultivated solitude in a profound way, connecting with his Father in heaven. And when rough times would happen in the future for him, they came first from him having moved to a lonely place. I'll let Thomas Merton have the last word on this subject of where Jesus goes time and again when he needs rest to connect with his Father. Thomas Merton says this, Once God has called you to solitude, everything you touch leads you further into solitude. Everything that affects you builds you into a hermit. As long as you do not insist on doing the work yourself, and building your own kind of hermitage. What is my new desert? The name of it is compassion. There is no wilderness so terrible, so beautiful, so arid and so fruitful as the wilderness of compassion. It's the only desert that shall truly flourish like the lily. It shall become a pool it shall bud forth and blossom and rejoice with joy. It is in the desert of compassion that the thirsty land turns into springs of water, that the poor possesses all things. Amen.